Round one, fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome, boys and girls, to the 243rd episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We're powered by APIT.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. For more on those guys and girls later, I'm Rick Schimmel, humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan 8-Bit. And joining me today, the drifter to my Saint-14, my podcast writer, die. Find her on them socials at Miss Ellie Hart. Miss Ellie Hart. How you doing today? I'm all right, all right, all right. That's so good because uh, funnily enough, you didn't know it, but uh, before we started recording this morning, I was channel surfing. There was an interview with Matthew McConaughey on oh. regarding some new movie and he was dropping the all right. So uh, we've gone full circle already. He is a mystical creature, isn't he? He is a very special individual. He's, he's just He just oozes coolness. Like, um, you know, he's very unique, but like he's just got this weird... Weird energy about him, which, which yes. I love. Yes. Like, if someone said, like, who is the most chillest person in the world that you can think of, he would be at the top of the list. He certainly is, yeah. And he's um, he's another one of these these people that just have got vampire blood in them, it feels like, because he has not really aged. Like, he's getting a bit older looking, but, like, mm. not at the pace and the speed that most of humanity does, it feels like. That's true. And plus, I've only had a very recent appreciation for Matthew McConaughey. So um, everything before, when was it? Just only a few years ago when I watched um, True Detective. Uh, I, yep. hated, I hated Matthew McConaughey. Like, I just couldn't stand him. But uh, one TV series and he redeemed himself. Just That's pretty it. impressive. That's it. No, he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, a positive uh, spot in the uh, the entertainment industry that's for sure and he, he does he tackles a lot of diverse roles which i like uh, like he does a lot of same same but he's starting to now i guess in his older years with an asterisk because we feel he doesn't age um he's, he's trying to diversify a little bit as far as some of the uniqueness and things he gets involved into with like dallas buyers club and moon was it moon man moon baby something like that where he's like sort of dressing up as a woman a lot in there and stuff like that. Oh. And he's got a few roles like that where he's he's not just the pretty the pretty boy from the South. Well good for him. I think, yeah, I guess after a while when you've you know, you've done your run and you're you've played your you know, pretty boy look and your pretty boy persona and you as you age along you can just take those risks. Hmm. And and here we go, like uh we just sort of managed to get three minutes of Matthew McConaughey discussion into THG243, which is uh, unexpected, <laughs> but that's what you can expect here. That. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on to, I guess, things we've been playing uh, outside mm. of, uh, I don't know, playing with Matthew McConaughey dolls and whatnot, if, if that's mm. your thing. Uh, what have you been doing, Miss Hart? What's, what's news for you this week? Uh, I have been, oh, if anyone followed my Twitter, I've been trying my hand at doing some video editing and it was fun but the reason why is um i got the opportunity to play a point and click adventure which i think i mentioned maybe three four weeks ago um the game is called strangeland um and it it attracted me because a point and click adventure 
but um, B, it just art style looked freaky, cool, um, a little different than, you know, what you usually see when you think of point and click adventures. And we were lucky enough to get a code from the developers um, at Wormwood Studios. And can I just say this game was awesome. I freaking loved it. Nice. Because I, I, I haven't played it. I've, I've watched a, a few trailers and, and was sort of uh, keeping my eyes on, on the situation leading up to, to the release and, and what have you. And it's got such a funky, creepy art style. It's sort of like steampunk alien fusion, like that's just at least from the trailers and the, the slices I've seen. Is, is that a good way to describe it? That's a that's a pretty fair assumption. Like in game, it's, you know, obviously got the pixelated style, but it's still very detailed pixelated. Like don't think that we're talking like massive pixels here. They're still like very refined, small pixels to make it absolutely like gorgeous in gameplay. Um, but then in between shots, there's these wonderful, like, like scenes in between where there's like animatics and it's just, and I think you're right. I think like combining like steampunk with aliens because there are these very grotesque um, surrealist scenes that kind of come up and they're, they're all on purpose. They're not just for pure shock value. They're, they're there for a reason. Um, and the reason why like I was so attracted to this game is because I had played previous point and click adventures that had more of a horror thriller kind of side to it. Like, um, like the cat lady is one that I love. Um, and so having the opportunity to play this one and I didn't know what to expect, like, cause I honestly, I'd never heard of Wormwood Studios before this. Um, and it was, I, I, you know how you kind of, you take that risk into trying a new game and you kind of like, I don't know how long I'm going to play this. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to catch me. I like, and then within those first few minutes, you're kind of like, "Mm." it was so quick between me being kind of like, oh, I'm only going to play this for like a bit to I finished the game in one sitting. Oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. So we got (laughs) you that good. I loved it that much. Granted, um, I finished the game within four hours or so, which I think is what they say on the Steam page is that that's what the expectation is. It's usually like a four to five hour gameplay. Mm -hmm. There is alternative endings. So I am actually going to go back to get those because I really want to see where it heads. But um, the way the game starts is really incredible in the fact, and there's a reason for it. You start the game and as you're playing it, everything treats you like this isn't you playing it for the first time and like I was really baffled I'm like did I press the wrong thing like there's <laughs> there's things that are talking to me like I know what I'm doing or I I've been here before but it's all got to do with the story the story in itself is it's dark but it's also um like it, it's kind of like it has puzzle to it and it's meant to make you think it's made, meant to make you interpret it also in your own ways. There is like an, obviously an underlining message in there, but I do enjoy that the story doesn't just hit you in the face. It's not smacking you in the face or like saying, here's what's happening. This is the story you're going to follow and we're going to just spoon feed it to you. You kind of have to search for it and experience it. And it's sad. It's, um, it's it, it could be like a little bit too close to home for maybe some people, but um, I definitely think the way that they navigated the story with the incorporation of puzzles and such um, was really well done. Um, I'm like, I really wish I could play this game again for the first time. I enjoyed it that much. 
Okay, I'm uh, I'm intrigued, especially like if it's only like a little four hour potential singular experience. Maybe I need to pick it up. Like it's uh, twenty bucks, ten percent off currently on Steam, so it's nineteen thirty five AUD on Steam right now. And um, the the reviews, it's very positive currently listed on Steam. So uh, people are enjoying what Wormwood have put out. This is their second game, or at least their That's second correct. mainline release, from what I can see from their their sort of Steam history. And uh, it's been a long time between drinks for Wormwood. Like they released Primordia in uh, December of 2012. So they've released this one nine years later. Yeah. And like I can see where like time could obviously take hold, especially with the like team that they like probably the small team and then also the art direction as well. Oh, the voice acting was incredible too. I like I hate whenever I kind of assume sometimes when like like kind of like small, smaller niche kind of games I anticipate sometimes having not so fantastic voice acting, mm-hmm. but this one, the main character, the stranger, he's like, his voice is so familiar to me. I still need to check out who it is and where I know the voice from, but um, everyone, everyone, every character, every bizarre character that you meet in this um, game um, is voiced amazingly. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like, like, I feel like veterans of point and click venture will love it. And then if you're new to the point and click adventure, it's not so daunting. Like um, the UI screen isn't so like encumbersome. It's pretty straightforward. Like you can kind of figure things out for yourself, but they do actually have a hint function that they've done really well incorporating into the game as like a phone that you call. Oh, nice. And like it doesn't, which is good because it doesn't take you out of that immersion because sometimes when you kind of ask for a hint, it feels like you kind of stop the game and you've taken yourself out. So by incorporating it this way, you don't feel like, you know, you've you've you know, broken a wall in the story. So mm. that's, that's a good way to describe it. And just the just looking at so many of the stills from the game at the moment, just this like nightmare fueled carnival of horrors that you're running around in. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks so great, so great. Like just this dreamscape surrealism carnival of all these creepy crawlies and weird looking people and oh it looks so cool it's right up Mm -hmm. right up my alley that's for sure yeah i think you'll enjoy it and like i said like it's a it can be like a four hour run um i didn't stop like there was there was actually i think a moment where i'm like i've needed to use the bathroom for a while now but i don't want to (laughs) i want to keep going and finish this thing and i was like i guess i was a bit disappointed when i realized i was towards the end i'm like no i wanted more which is kind of rich coming from me on a story-based yeah you don't like narrative games at the best of times yet you smash this thing out in a single sitting sitting. like that says a lot about the game i think for me yeah it was just it was so compelling it had that darkness that obviously i enjoy in gaming um but yeah it was just a lot of good things really like wrapped up in a bow in this like game that i just i adore it i'm I'm really happy that i found a game that i liked this year that was nowhere near my radar and um yeah it's probably going to be one of my one of my fond finds for this year that's a big call especially like um yeah because it is a little bit of a under the radar gem i'd say like uh, i'd never heard of it until we got a um i think you might have mentioned it on maybe thg but then literally a few days later we got like a, a press release come through on the yeah. email saying Are you guys interested in giving this a look Hell and yeah. it was weird yeah. that the stars aligned that way and now here we are talking about it being one of maybe your favorite experiences of 2021 
Yeah, I, I loved it. And I know that like some of our listeners, like we've got like <laughs> veteran point and click adventure people, much like myself, PC gamers and such. Um, I think they should definitely have a look at it. But anyone else that doesn't, they're not, not really into it, just take a look at it. Like, obviously, you don't have to buy it, but just take a look. Look at the screenshots. Watch a few trailers. Um, it is a bit weird. It is a bit absurd. But I think that's, you know, if that's your, kind of your thing, it should technically kind of draw you in. So Yeah, it's part of its creepy charm, the, yeah. the weirdness and the kookiness. Like, and that's mm. what I'm digging. Like, I I can appreciate a good point and click, but I, I didn't seem to really grow up on that kind of meta with gaming like i wasn't a pc gamer as a kid so i was sort of late to the party with a lot of those point and click classics but this thing certainly looks interesting and um if i can smack it out in one session and get that full experience and and get a a full narrative from open to close i'm uh i'm down for this weirdness from wormwood studios yeah like i said to everyone take a look just um see if it's your kind of thing because I always love supporting like small, smaller studios, smaller games, and it's just that little bit better when it's an absolute hit with me. So yeah, no, most definitely, most definitely, and yeah, ten percent off on uh, Steam right now. That promotion ends sometime on the first of June, so you'll have to get it if you're listening to THG two four three right now. Get on over to Steam straight away and save yourself ten percent on Strangeland there, and get it for nineteen thirty five. Support Wormwood and. Uh, yeah, one of Miss Hart's games of the year at the moment. So quite yeah. the find here for with Strangeland. Yeah, I know it's really, really, really unique. Like we're mid year now, so I don't we think are. any other God damn titles it, it's June. are going to come out. That <laughs> well, I uh, like on the other side of the coin, uh, talking about releases for this year and, and unexpected delights. Uh, the game I played uh, this this past week. Um, was one that, that come across our desk as well, unexpected, uh, called Hentai vs. Evil, uh, which I immediately thought of yourself. Like when, when yeah, they like reached I out and said, hey, that message. do you want to cover this? I'm like, this has got Miss Hart's name all over it. Uh, tossed it out to you. You said, uh, no bueno. No bueno no. for Hentai vs. Evil. No. Little little busy on <laughs> playing some other things than that. So you know what? I uh, I went, you know, all right, now's my time. I'm stepping up. I'm jumping into this smut-laden world and seeing what it's about. And uh, I installed Hentai vs. Evil on the PlayStation 5. So this uh, come via way of East Asia, East Asia Soft. And my goodness, um, I don't want to throw too many unnecessary punches here, but it might be one of the worst games of the year. Does that surprise anybody with a title like Hentai vs. Evil? Probably not. But I like to keep my mind open when they got those titles like that. But so um, did I. I'm like, mm. are we going to get weird tentacle sex scenes here with with people and creatures and what have you? But um, the premise of this game, if there is a premise to find here, uh, you you play as as one of three busty uh, anime heroines. Uh, you can customize the size of said bust and their thighs of and course. their outfits before you go into these three sandbox levels. But that's where the story stops and does not carry on from there, really. Like, uh, you you jump into this game as one of these anime women and the goal is to find a cage with uh, your other anime friend in there trapped. And so you've got to shoot your way through zombies okay. and giant pigmen and flying grim reapers 
They don't explain why they're here, what they're doing on this bizarro earth. Uh, you're literally just running around shooting stuff aimlessly. There's some health potions to pick up and like um, damage multipliers that you can put on your gun so you can get like a, a machine gun, a shotgun, and then like a like sort of like a single shot rifle. Mm -hmm. And you just shoot your way through till you find this cage in these three sandbox levels that look like they were from a dev kit from Fortnite. Graphically, it's rough. Story-wise, doesn't exist. <laughs> um, the combat, yeah, okay. Like the, the only positives I can probably say is like the worlds are vibrant. It's a pretty color. Like there's a nice color palette used here, but like... I played this game for about an hour, hour and a half, and that felt like it was about an hour, hour and a half too long. Like, uh, oh boy, uh, anyone that's interested or has got a little bit of a <laughs> bit of a attraction to hentai and evil things, maybe don't no. look yeah. at this game unless you can get it maybe on sale. Like, power to like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to poo poo anyone's anyone's art and craft. Like, you know, people put hours and time and blood, sweat, and tears into making this game, but it feels like this game was made over the span of like a one of those like crazy game development weekends. You know, where they got to build a game jam. over a weekend. Like, a, yeah, yeah, game jam. That's it. It feels like this is a, a game jam creation. Like, it came out last year initially, I think, on PC, and it's now out on PlayStation and the Switch. Which is surprising that uh, Nintendo allowed a game called Hentai vs. Evil into their shop front, but they did. Uh, but there's no hentai going on here. There's no crazy... That was going to be my question. Yeah, I didn't see any. Like, it was the false advertising? False advertising, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't want to sound too pervy, but like when there's, when there's a word like hentai in the title, you think you're going to see some things. I kind of expected that. Like, yeah, if you're going to have the word hentai. So they purposely put a kind of grab word like hentai into the title unless it's a mulled down version from a pc version that's the only other thing i can think of is maybe for the console stores they made it i was literally about to say more family friendly because <laughs> that ain't right um yeah just i guess a little bit more conservative there we go yeah may maybe maybe but like I don't care enough to go and do the research to see if maybe the PC version is <laughs> off the rails and, and full of crazy creature feature porn. But mm. yeah, it's um, I tried it and I appreciate East Asia Soft for reaching out and throwing us a key. The game is what it is. It's, you know, there's no real depth to it. There's no narrative. There's no character development. There's no explanation. As I said, like zombies is one thing, but then you've got like giant green pigmen that look like they're from Duke Nukem. And then there's Grim Reapers flying around too. I'm like, none of this makes any sense to me. <laughs> Go find your lady friend that's stuck in a cage. You get there and that's it. Like there's no, there's no cut scenes. There's no intros. There's no nothing. It's just cold drop straight into the game. You've got a gun with infinite ammo, shoot everything, yeah. rinse and repeat. And I'm like, oh, okay. I tried it is what it is. Yeah, so Moving it's kind of like one of those shock games where they purposefully make like absurd games and just hope that like the absurdity of it all will probably just get them enough cash through. Yeah, maybe. I, d I don't know how much cash they're going to make off this one. Like there might be some returns with that false advertising, but it feels... Not like on PlayStation Store. Hi. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you got it forever, suckers. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Hentai vs. Evil, 
maybe it was made over a weekend at a game jam because that's that's the vibes I'm getting from it. Like there's there's mm. probably a market for this out there. Maybe I'm not the the target audience for it. It certainly doesn't feel that way. But yeah, it was it was a thing. I experienced it. I didn't enjoy pretty much any of it. Um, mm. It felt rough. But anyway, I pl- I've been playing and I finished something that's uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum, which um, is obviously Mass Effect 1, so part of the Legendary Edition. So finally got number one put to bed throughout this week and I'm excited to uh, do our first ever video game book club uh, oh, on this yeah. game, recording with the Shirley Shono Peck tomorrow evening, I believe. Maybe, maybe Benny as well, not too sure. I don't think he's finished this one just yet so pending we may have a two-way or a three-way on that potty but i'm excited to deep dive on mass effect from the legendary edition and share my thoughts in full on there Mm. um in short though i've enjoyed it it's been great to go back to it does it carry the same weight and nostalgia and absolute adoration i had from when i played this many many years ago kind of it doesn't feel Ooh. that great. Like uh, I've started pushing into two and I'm enjoying two a lot more. Two's my favorite in the entire franchise and uh, a lot of things from the original Mass Effect was, you know, what created created this, this insanity to begin with. But like <laughs> it certainly feels like it's a 14-year-old game. Uh, you know, interpret that as you will, but it's still got that awesome science fiction soap opera that that I love from from that universe. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool. And and the graphical enhancements they got with uh with these remasters, it's it's noticeable most of the time. I've heard that like certain characters have been just changed overall. Did you notice that? Or? I did. I did. And and just like you can see maybe where they had to had to sort of focus time and energy where they're like, we've got to get this character looking fantastic. Don't worry about those other characters you might meet in this section of the game or, or this this hub world or whatever. And so some of them have got nice next-gen-esque polish and then you'll meet another one and it's just like weird, <laughs> unnecessary, smooth, textureless person with no emotion when they're talking. So it's this, it gets a little jarring for me mm-hmm. at times, especially with a game that like I've, I've played one through um, just one and done like with most of these sort of um, big RPGs. I'm, I'm very much like I like to just get my experience done. I don't want to go back and redo it. I just want to f- like that's my story. You know, I put a bow on it. I'm good. And so going back to this game now, 14 years later, and I'm like, oh, boy, was it was it like this back then? Ooh, yeah, boy, is it tarnishing your previous experience? Like are a you little? questioning yourself? Yeah, a little, a Ooh, little. Oh, that's actually quite interesting. But, but I know just from the other games, like two and three, the combat mechanics get so much better. Oh, like, and it's yeah. so much more fluid and, and just real frenetic to be jumping around and popping abilities and using your, your weaponry in unison where the first one, it feels a little janky and, you know, it is what it is. It's still great and it's a fun experience, but yeah, it's going back and, and putting a little bit of a bit of bit of dirt on my uh on my impressions of this when i played it when i would have been i guess 20 20 years old back in the day uh playing playing the original mass effect but anyway uh it's cool to see my beloved franchise getting a nice uh fresh coat of paint and now looking forward to the book club tomorrow and then 
Last thing I've been doing this week, I went and watched Quiet Place Part 2 on the weekend. It's been getting like so many good reviews. Justified 110%. My goodness gracious, this movie was phenomenal. And like not not 10 out of 10 perfect, but like nine and a half for me. Like it was phenomenal. I, I adored the first one. I know we talked about it a little bit last week on THG mm-hmm. uh, that you haven't watched it yet. Uh, hopefully no you've found to. some time to watch it. No? No intention? Hey, I didn't have time for Hentai versus Evil. I have no time for A Quiet Place. <laughs> well, if you're going to pick, you you prioritize up, you know. between those two, I'll tell you which way not to go. Uh, okay. <laughs> spoilers, go back maybe 10 minutes and you'll find out which way not to go. But um, yeah, Quiet Place Part 2 is so, so, so well done. Uh, it takes the the formula and the characters and the concepts that we were uh, showcased in the original, uh, which came out in 2018, and just dialed up like past, like, you know, the old uh, Spinal Tap joke, you know, going, going way past the volume, going up to 12 or 11. Or, 11. What is, it's 11, yep. Yeah. God, I'm embarrassing myself. Yeah, so so dialing up, I'd say 212 on this, in this regard in some situations because the intensity and just the general sense of dread but just being on the edge of your seat like the great thing with this this franchise is because it's got such an emphasis on silence and not making any type of noise so when you're in the cinema watching this everyone in in the cinema at least for for the viewing of two and the first one for me i was very lucky that they all took that sort of same intensity on board so you're hearing people trying to get popcorn it's like they're going in so slow to grab like one piece at a time it's like the slowest chews and people are like very conscious of like making too loud a sip on their coke or opening up their m&ms and all that so it's just got this crazy constant just blanket of like can't make a noise because i'm gonna fucking kill every like people are gonna die if it happens like it's so Mm -hmm. good and it just makes the the viewing experience even better and um, I really, really, really adored this movie. And if they want to make a third one, somehow, I'd be all for it. Like the second one, it's it's one of those times I feel where the sequel is better than the original. And you don't say that very often. And I, I feel that in my bones, in my waters. Like I adored this movie and everything they did and some of the risks they took and the increased world building that they do in this in this movie and there's even vibes in this movie of the last of us and i know you know i was waiting no i was waiting for that because um who someone was talking about it and then they like they said that and i'm like well if there was one way for you not to sell me on this movie referring (laughs) to a game that i don't enjoy (laughs) just like just as far as the location um the the, the character building, the sense of dread. The the creatures in, in the game itself have some similarities to the clickers and stuff. Like, I'm not going to say anything more. I'm still going to avoid spoilers, but just in their aesthetic, especially like around their head, like how their head looks and works and stuff. Like, they're really, really nightmare fuelish as far as these creatures that are showcased in, in this movie. And, and I can't speak highly enough about this film. I want to go watch it again. Like, it is so good. And... I would highly recommend anyone going to check it out. If you haven't, haven't watched first, go watch the first first and then go watch part two. But it's so good. No. 
I don't think I know. <laughs> no. Like, I think I know some things that happen um, in from the first one anyway. And, like, I think, like, it's been spoiled or something. But, yeah. Well, I'm not saying anything. You, ne- I, th- I think you need to give at least number one a try. Maybe. Maybe. I still miss- I'm not good with watching movies. <laughs> I'm not. Like, my brain just goes two, three-hour-long movie. No. Binge watch SVU. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 interesting how that mindset of yours works sometimes. Just think of it as watching, like, two to three SVU episodes back to back. Yeah. <laughs> Still not sold. Nope. <laughs> I can see the, the cogs turning there and you're like, hmm, can that work somehow? No, it can't. No. But what can I work... For you guys and girls, if you want to uh, support us monetarily, feel free to do show over at ko-fi.com forward slash we are 8-bit. Flow low price currently of $5 AUD a month. You can get early access to a ton of podcasts and exclusive access to Is This Thing On, as well as automatic entries into our regular giveaways and also just uh, random periodic drops of swagger that you cannot get anywhere else on the internet. I've got subscription tiers coming to our Kofi page soon enough. Uh, apparently, it's a couple of weeks away from from uh, official release, as per the uh, the Kofi uh, email I got the other day. So keep your eyes and ears peeled there because we will tier that subscription off to make a little bit more palatable for people. But um, if you can't afford or don't want to support us monetarily, that is more than fine too. Just be sure to rate, view, subscribe us and all the other podcasts in the 8-Bit Circle. Uh, Those ratings and reviews help keep the emotional lights on in our hearts, cost you nothing, takes next to no time and means an awful lot to us. But Miss Hart, what do you think? Should we do a little old ad read? Let's do it. All right, listeners. Whether you're a budding podcaster, streamer, YouTuber or just an audiophile... Audio Technica has you covered with the best range of audio equipment in the market today. If you've ever listened to us at least once before, there's a strong chance that you've heard us talk about our podcast's origin story and the fact that Audio Technica have been with us from the very beginning. Our very first mics that we ever hungry gamed into are the AT2020s, as well as you know, you never forget your first. Navigating the world of video game pop culture uh, with the leaders in audio-based equipment has the been quite a journey the news is not quite always up to date or positive but our audio qualities most certainly is audio technica are your audio based one up and listeners you can start your content creator journey with their content creator pack pro which includes the at2020 usb plus microphone ath20 uh, athm fuck <laughs> ath m20x headphones and a handy boom arm to mount that sexy 2020 plus USB microphone. It is the perfect kit to get you started on the road to audio-based greatness. But if content creating isn't your thing, fear not as Audio-Technica can upgrade your vinyl recording listening experience with a sexy range of turntables, improve your KD ratio via their market-leading wired or wireless gaming headsets, Cannot confirm nor deny that your KD ratio will improve, but your audio quality certainly will. Or just improve your general listening experience thanks to their wide range of headphones that come with all the latest bells and whistles. You want Bluetooth, noise cancelling, in-ear or over-ear, it is all there at audiotechnica.com, audiotechnica.com.au. Get in there, upgrade your kit, and uh, your ears will thank you. This week's news headlines. All right, Miss Hart. A couple of quick hitters. 
in the target acquired section. So some rapid fire shots heard around the industry this week. The first one, Twitch have added over 350 new tags to help streamers label and classify their content better. Tencent Holdings has acquired 3.8% of shares in Remedy Entertainment. So that is the studio most recently behind Control and then obviously the beloved Alan Wake franchise. And the last little quick hit up, Crystal Dynamics has announced the opening of a new development studio based in Austin, Texas called Crystal Southwest. And apparently it'll be, in quotes, a major part of all current and future Crystal Dynamics titles, end quote. What's your thoughts on those little quick bangers, Miss Hart? Anything you wanted to add or uh, highlight there? No, just good to see Twitch listening to something that I know has been a major um, push through a lot of people in the community, um, requiring specific tags so uh, specific groups can you know find each other, create communities with each other, um, and now that's actually been put into place so people can start um, building communities bit together. So good on Twitch. Better late than never. Uh, you know, as, as we seem to say most of the time with uh, how they go about their business. But uh, mm. it is what it is. And, and, and you gotta, you got to give, give a hat tip to, to that positive change there and, and giving all these tags and classifications uh, some, some light and allowing streamers to, to better, better sort of highlight and, and, and sort of emphasize what they're doing and, and make it mm. easier for potential fans to, to find them on mm. the, uh, the Twitch universe there. So well done. Um, those evil Chinese overlords, Tencent, back at it again though, uh, gobbling up little shares here and there. Global domination is one step closer with Tencent, uh, taking nearly 4% of Remedy. So uh, yeah, yeah they, they just got their, their fingers in every pie they can. They are, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's what they like, do. With Remedy though, like... Control was, was it a sleeper hit? I mean, we can call it a sleeper hit, right? Like it definitely wasn't on any major radars and then it came out and just to huge success. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like a lot of people were hyped about it, but I don't think anyone expected it to to be as positive and well done and such a great experience as what it was. Mm. It did turn into quite a juggernaut. So yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that they've kind of now, like, I mean, I don't know really how much, like, almost 4% means, like, influentially. Maybe it's just to think they're getting their foot in the door. Um, but, yeah, it's when it was a company like Tencent, it's always a bit like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit, bit how, how you're doing. But uh, mm. watch this space. No doubt we'll probably come back to you again in a few more weeks <laughs> with Tencent acquiring shares of another business here or there around the place mm-hmm. because it's what they do. Best way to show growth is just to buy businesses. That's uh, that's how these big boys do it. So Send your portfolio, yep. Yep, so just another another arrow in the quiver. Okay, so the, the first mainline piece of content I've titled, Go West, even mm-hmm. if it is forbidden, mm-hmm. shout out to the Pet Shop Boys. And uh, I've taken some words here from Cat Bailey over at IGN. We now know a little bit more about Horizon Forbidden West. Sony showed quite a bit of gameplay yesterday in its state of play stream, as well as some new enemies. However, PlayStation declined to reveal a new release date for its anticipated tentpole release. In a PlayStation blog following the state of play, Guerrilla Games narrative director Ben McCall wrote, We don't have an exact release date yet, but development is on track and we'll have an update for you very soon. 
Instead, we were treated to an extended snippet of Horizon Forbidden West gameplay over the course of 14 minutes. We got to see new tools, combat techniques, and machines as Guerrilla Games showed off the upcoming sequel. So if we sort of, I'm just going to jump through. There was a bit of a play-by-play -play as far as what we saw in the demo, but instead I'm just going to jump down to the end here and sort of uh, highlight the closing lines here. So obviously Horizon Forbidden West was first announced during Sony's PS5 reveal in June of 2020. It will mm -hmm. take place in a post-apocalyptic version of the American West with Aloy exploring locations, including the ruins of San Francisco and the Yosemite Valley. Underwater exploration will be a major component of the gameplay. Horizon Forbidden West is currently set for release on both the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. The PS5 version will, of course, take advantage of the DualSense's unique features, allowing players to feel elements like the resistance of a bowstring as Aloy draws it back. It will also feature an updated version of the Decima engine. And uh, jumping a little bit further back, Horizon Zero Dawn was originally released in 2017. We praised its vast and beautiful open world and the way that it juggled its moving parts with polish and finesse. Horizon Zero Dawn has since become one of PlayStation's biggest franchises. Expectations will be high for the sequel when it eventually relaunches on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. So, Miss Hart, we got a nice slice of 14 minutes of gameplay with Aloy running around this very, very, very gorgeous and lush and bright and vibrant location. We got to see some new combat, some new uh, weaponry, some new uh, mechanical beasties. What did you think about it? Because I know you're not as probably as, as high on, on Horizon as someone like myself is who, you know, this is one of my favorite franchises of all time already for a single release so far. But what did you think mm. of this uh, little 14-minute uh, teaser we got just yesterday? Um, environmentally, it looks beautiful. It looks absolutely stunning just watching her navigate through, like, jungle and then overgrown uh, what was San Francisco with like old buildings, old trolleys. Um, you see a scene with the bridge all broken down and overgrown and the underwater scenes look beautiful. Like if there was like one thing that could grab me for this game, it would just be purely the environment. It just looks so beautiful. And the fact that you can navigate around it and just, you know, climb over everything and get it wherever you want kind of thing. But uh, the gameplay still looks very much like the gameplay of the original. Um, it's not my style. It's, I, I just don't really like how it plays. It looked interesting that she, I don't know if in the previous game, but in this one, it almost looked like she had like an ultimate move. Like she had this whole animation sequence where she loaded her weapon with like some special thing. And that was kind of cool. But overall, I just think... Um, the way the game plays and that you navigate and then you take over the mechanical creatures and such. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't my thing. I just didn't enjoy it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of that spectrum. Like, this is this is my wheelhouse. Like, give me, give me anything dinosaur-esque and post-apocalyptic and massive big open world action rpg sort of vibe this is this is my gaming kink and my gaming palette just getting overloaded at the mm -hmm. moment and um yeah I'm, I, I like that you mentioned that sort of little the special abilities they're, they're calling that a valor surge and um i like okay. that it sort of changes up the uh the the play style a little bit they obviously have still got similar things like highlighting these big creatures weak spots to to do more damage and take them down Seeing seeing the big tremor tusk, the big mechanical like elephant slash woolly mammoth slash whatever you want to classify this thing as, like just 
big, giant, crazy thing. The claw striders, so getting like some Velociraptor uh, nods there. And just uh, seeing them in, in the first couple of minutes of that where you get introduced to those claw striders and they're like running around as a pack and moving just like you'd see in like a Jurassic Park film and everything. I was, I was, I was nerding out pretty hard uh, from there. Uh, seeing seeing some of the weapons that they gave Aloy and just even though it's not a weapon but the pull caster which is uh, like that sort of grapple gun she's got so now that oh. we're seeing the, the free climbing mechanic in there and the, the traversal and the verticality which is something that outside of climbing some parts of the of the world in um, in the first game and then climbing some of the big beasties wasn't a big part of the game so it's nice to see that the, the shield wing the little uh sort of futuristic glider she gets to, to mm -hmm. safely uh, climb or fly away from high spots or surprise enemies from above is, is one of the bylines that the producers were talking about in there as well. Uh, the diving mask ability, so you can stay underwater infinitely, hypothetically, and sort of strategize how you're going to tackle tackle the next part of the game or certain Total enemies. ocean girl vibes, by the way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to that little Australian banger. Oh, man. It, it, God, the, the water scene, that was probably the prettiest part of the entire game. Like just seeing the schools of fish and the, the big creatures swimming around and just the, just the way her hair was moving in the water, like it was stunning. The like aquatic growth and like corals and all the other like environments in it, like oh, it's so pretty. And I just wish that game was like, can that game, can I have that environment, but can I have a different game style? <laughs> It's, no, it's, no, you it's cannot. So apparently, unfortunate. Like, I, like, um, we were all discussing it in the group chat after, um, after they previewed it, and um, yeah, the one thing that I just could not get over was how gorgeous it looked. I did see a lot of negativity, um, based on certain things in Aloy's character appearance. Um, some people felt like she was like half done, or some people even referred to her as puffy. Um, wow. Yes. People so are just mean for the sake of being mean. I thought yeah. she looked great. Like, and I was, I was in awe, like, of just the little things, like the way her hair was moving and, and the texture details on her, her outfit and how it was moving the way, like, moving in, in response to how she was running and jumping and climbing. You could see, like, the, the outfit she had on was, was real and it, it sort of adjusted depending on what she was doing. So I thought, I thought she looked great wasn't too bad i feel like um hair mechanics is always going to be um a pain in the butt uh for what most of what i saw in the gameplay stuff it looked fine uh, i did notice a lot of clipping of hair and fabric of her what she was wearing as well as other characters um, i guess that's unavoidable like i just thought that maybe i don't know no maybe it is good that they had it in the the gameplay preview because then you know it's there and they're not trying to hide anything but um yeah, I mean, like, like, like for me, like seeing all the things that like she was doing in the game, like she was fighting that other enemy with like bow and arrow, and it looked like it took a lot of like a lot of effort. Is that also standard combat, or is that like a new in in introduction into the franchise? Yeah, it depend on the enemy archetype. So, so some of the enemies you could you could get rid of in in one well timed arrow shot or one well-timed, um, you know, spear slice or whatever it is, but yeah. they, they have, uh, you know, little sort of like 
sub bosses and stuff like gotcha. they showed like that bigger dude mm-hmm. that, that yeah took a little bit of a grind to get down but then also um there's different types of bows so some of them might be just real rapid fire so you can fire off a heap of arrows but at lower damage you can have more like almost like a sniper rifle equivalent bow where it's like a long draw time but that single shot can can take things down in one hit so gotcha. depends on the on the weapon that she's utilizing but yeah the most of them usually do take a little bit of time and some tactic where you are got to dodge and, and hit those weak spots and open it up for the the chance to do the big the big attack but okay. yeah the, the combat just looked frenetic my the only gripe that i sort of noticed was when she was fighting the big tremor tusk and it was charging through and it was smashing through walls and there was bits of debris flying everywhere but then it just all disappeared like i know it's tough to have that that amount of just crazy variation artifact and having it working within the scene so i get why they just you know it hit and it dissolved mm-hmm. to try and then factor in all those other all the other mechanics that would then have to be uh dealt with to, to make aloy traverse that debris plus everything else in the environment but i thought damn that's a missed opportunity where that stuff could stay and be part of part of the arena and have to sort of navigate that too but it was it was a spectacle it was a feast for the eyes like it's it's so pretty and it's it's looking very very next gen it's surprising to me that they are releasing this on the playstation 4 as well as the 5 i mean the playstation 5 as well as the 4 i should say instead of just saying no we're going just straight next gen focusing on just making this game the best it can be and it's only going to be ps5 like what they've done with like returnal but instead they're going uh previous gen as well as as current which uh was a bit surprising for me yeah i think that like with with sony with a sony exclusive i think you have to be a little bit more forgiving on the fact that not everyone has current gen consoles and considering the franchise did start on the earlier generation of that console yeah i think you kind of have to respect the fact that you should be making the next um the next segment of the game accessible to them as well yeah like it makes sense like they've the amount of units they've sold out of playstation 4 over the years yeah it makes sense because they've still got a very big player base there but i just thought maybe they'd double down on just solely focusing on the playstation 5 so hopefully you still get that ps5 experience as opposed to just ps4 with a slightly better coat of paint um you know Mm. i I don't want to sound too pessimistic in that regard but seeing how it's going to play and, and utilize the dual sense is going to be awesome the 3d audio yes. stuff like that obviously the the ssd and the ps5 for them super fast boot times so uh we're going we're going to get a good experience um interesting they didn't talk about announced uh, like a, a release date on this game at all no uh, <laughs> like like my 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 heart tells me i'd love to see this thing come out holiday 2021 which would be great it would be a nice big triple uh, A to move some of them PS5 units, but my head's telling me that it's probably going to roll out in that February release cycle of 2022, just like um, Horizon Zero Dawn did a few years back. So I think we might not see this until next year, which sucks, but seeing a good hefty 14 minutes of gameplay shows that the game's well in development. It's on the right track. looks awesome. It's more Horizon with a new area like with new worlds like running around the west coast looks cool some new mechanics some new abilities some new creatures like it's all checking all the boxes for me not Mm. so much for yourself because uh you know that the style of game isn't in your wheelhouse 
typically, but um, I'm a happy boy after seeing that 14 minutes. I'm a very happy boy. And I am happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. See, that's that's nice. That's 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 why the show works so well because uh, you know what we we got each other's backs, even though these uh, games aren't always our typical typical uh, palate cleansers that we're looking for. But yeah, bring it on, bring it on. Yeah, Horizon Forbidden West, so pretty, so exciting. But uh, the next little banger, uh, the Microsoft Megazord will be on full display this coming June. So I've grabbed some words from Jeffrey Rousseau over at GamesIndustry.biz here. So Microsoft has confirmed what many had expected, that it will combine the annual Xbox E3 press conference with that of its recent acquisition of Bethesda. The presentation is currently dated for June the 13th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And here's a quote from Aaron Greenberg. You've told us how excited you are about welcoming Bethesda into the Xbox family, so we know you're going to want a front row seat to the Xbox and Bethesda games showcase. We've got a 90-minute show packed with everything you want to know about the epic gaming lineup coming out of this partnership, the incredible games coming to Xbox this holiday, upcoming releases on Xbox Game Pass, and more. Obviously, for those that are playing at home, Microsoft acquired Bethesda parent company ZeniMax Media last September for $7.5 billion. After the acquisition closed, Xbox heads... Xbox head Phil Spencer confirmed the company's plans for exclusivity, saying Xbox consoles, PC, and Game Pass will be the best place to experience new Bethesda games, including some new titles in the future that will be exclusive to Xbox and PC players, end quote. So, Miss Hart, what are you thinking about this? What is your hot take? What is your shoot from the hip that they're going to show from this new Microsoft and Bethesda merger do you think we're going to actually get some gameplay of new elder scrolls do you think we're going to see some some starfield and it's going to be only on xbox and pc like they're talking what what do you feel we're going to get out of this uh this presser come june the 13th i mean we're definitely going to like i don't know which title it's going to be but there is definitely going to be the jaw-dropping um this game, this classic Bethesda game that a lot of people have been waiting for is only going to be an Xbox exclusive. And I know that's going to cause some hubbub as it would. (laughs) Um, My wishful thinking and just generally my own greediness, I do want something from Elder Scroll. Please give me something. Um, But just don't promise me like something. Like don't, like give me a glimpse, but don't say, oh, it's coming out next year. Cause I know it's not like, Mm. Just, just let me see it. Just let me have a little peek. Um, let me know it's there instead of just showing me clouds and a mountain. Yeah, uh, give, give me some gameplay. Give me a character. Give any character. Wa- give me an yeah, NPC. What? Give me a creature. Don't even care for like actual in-game gameplay. I just, just show me an environment that isn't a mountain. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's what I want. Uh, I'm curious. Like ninety-minute conference. Yep. Am I shocked by... Do I think that's shorter than I thought? An hour and a bit? Because I'm wondering if they're going to do... Remember how I kind of brought up that like the new thing is like you show a game trailer and then you speak to the devs or the devs have their yeah. kind of like bit to kind of discuss. I'm wondering if they're going to incorporate it for this E3 event. Um, I would wonder if... Because on average, uh, Xbox alone would go for over an hour. Like, it definitely would be over an hour at an E3 event per conference. So, 90 minutes for both of them. Is that going to be more telling in saying that maybe Bethesda doesn't have much to show or that Xbox themselves didn't have much to show? Hmm. 
That's a very, very interesting uh, thought you uh, you put on the table there, Miss Hart. Like I'm, I'm with you. Like not like 90 minutes. That's a good amount of time. But when you're trying to combine these two presses that typically ran close to an hour each on their own, merging that in with less time, like maybe we're going to get a more concentrated press conference where it is going to be more killer, no filler, hopefully, which hopefully. which would be awesome. Where it's just Here's a game announcement. Here's a trailer. Here's some gameplay. Boom, boom, boom. Cut out the fat. Like not poo-pooing on on the dev diaries and stuff that they they slice in with these types of things. But like do that. Like it's shown that that's proven where do, like chuck that in as a se- separate video on your YouTube channel just afterwards. You know, you want more information about this, head to rah-rah-rah and watch, watch a more uh, conde- or less condensed video highlighting that, you know? Even like some of those like kind of mini streams that they've been throwing in throughout the years, like some like um, as we've seen in the, this past week, just certain game franchises get their own stream where you can be informed of where the game is, where they're progressing, mm-hmm. how the devs are, what they're experienced with it. Like give us like those little nice little compacted stream so those that are interested can then seek it out and get more info perfect i, I think that would be the best way to do it instead of like i, I know they're, they're very much like the emphasis in the gaming industry as a whole at the moment is you know they show a lot of the the devs and the community and the people behind the scenes and, and that's awesome but with these showcases where you just want eyes on the product and get to get that hype level gameplay trailer boom gameplay trailer boom just just you know, it's it's a simple simple recipe, but it's proven to work. Like, and then yeah, do the do the breakaway streams and the standalone YouTube videos after that, where you can deep dive on some of those mechanics and what you're doing there and what have you. So I hope hope that 90 minutes is just whack whack whack, like haymaker after haymaker coming at mm-hmm. you, and they they drop the hammer because they've got so many studios working on so many games at the moment. And, you know, getting an extra five or 10 minutes of, of developer discussion as opposed to two or three trailers you could weave into that time instead, I think it's it's a mix, a missed opportunity. Uh, so, yeah, just just all, all killer, no filler, please. That's what yes. I'm hoping for for this presser. And, yeah, no, 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 no mountainsides, no hilltops. Just uh, give us a slice of Elder Scrolls, give us a slice of Starfield, New Sky, whatever it is, you know, just come out swinging i think you need to because there's going to be like god of war ragnarok coming out from from sony in in their conference we just got a big chunk of uh horizon so you need to you need to lead off on the right foot like i don't think you need a 20 minute deep dive on halo where people know what halo is we've gotten good chunks of it uh the game's coming out later this year just a just a couple of minute trailer just to keep people on on the edge of their seat and hype for Halo later this year. You don't need to build this whole presser around something like that. And I hope they yeah. don't so badly. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I got them crossed right now. Uh, jumping on to the next uh, headline here. Miss Hart, do you want to take your Steam library everywhere? Yes. Sure. Well, got some words from Brennan Sinclair over at gamesindustry.biz to hopefully help you do things like that because Valve is preparing another foray into the hardware market according to a new Ars Technica report. The outlet is citing multiple sources familiar with the matter as confirming speculation that the company is preparing a switch light, a switch-like handheld PC alternatively referred to as Neptune or Steam Pal. <laughs> I'd, pre- I'd prefer to buy a Neptune than a Steam Pal just quietly. No, give, me but anyway, Steam pal. give me a Steam Pal. Give me a Steam Pal. 
<laughs> Words of the device started circulating this week as Steam DB developer Pavel Dejundik noted on Twitter that Valve's latest update to the Steam client beta included text for Steam Pal and a Steam Pal games list. So maybe Steam Pal is where they're going here. Maybe Neptune is just their their funky code word until they release the Steam Pal. Uh, this update also added a quick access menu and a power and a power menu. Dijundik said, adding, "Is Valve making a handheld Steam console?" Question mark in his Twitter discussions. Ars Technica reports that the system is based on Linux, has a touchscreen and a built-in and built-in gamepad controls, and could possibly launch by year's end. It also has it also said to have a USB-C port that will let it display the screen on larger monitors. While Valve is best known for its Steam storefront and history of developing games like the Half-Life series, it has moved into hardware a number of times before, from the Steam controller to the Vive and Index VR headsets. However, the closest parallel to the reported Steam Pal might be the Steam Machines, game-playing PCs created with existing PC hardware companies and intended to provide something closer to the console living room gaming experience. Some is hard. Mm. If the Steam Pal is a thing, would this be something that you would buy and utilize? Do you think there's do you think there's an appetite and a desire to take your Steam library on the go with your Steam Pal and play it wherever the heck you want? Here's the thing. I if this is a thing, if this like technology is being created, there is no way that you're going to be able to access every title in your library. It would have its limitations. You'll probably see in store when you purchase something it will say steam pal compatible fuck i love that name steam pal Um, (laughs) you're in you're buying shares let's go sold um but um yeah so it'd it'd definitely be a limited library there's no way that they can promise your entire steam library at the palm of your hands there's just too many different games too different like game styles It, it just i just don't think it would translate so there would obviously be limitations on you know i guess as a developer launching your game on steam saying whether it is steam pal like adaptable i guess um whether i would want a device to take all my steam games with me or the ones that would work Yes, I have spent a lot of money on those 160 games that I own, which I have probably only played 10% of. <laughs> so yes, let me let me justify my purchases with obviously what's going to be an expensive purchase um, to then play them on the go. Because, hey, the Nintendo Switch store is not affordable. It is overpriced. And the more I look at it, the more I see games that are mobile games or games that I already own on PC. So, yeah, maybe I would play that it. is correct. Oh. <laughs> I didn't actually mean to bump that button, but anyway. <laughs> I just got some sassy uh, agreement. I, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, um, it's a funny concept. It's a novel concept, but some games clearly need more processing power than others so mm-hmm. there's going to be some compatibility issues there there's going to be some uh graphical res- resolution uh step backs because with anything handheld you're going to sacrifice processing power and frame rates and resolutions and stuff to fit this thing into a little portable device so some of these ports to the steam pal uh it is kind of growing on me steam pal i think it's kind of cute uh, would be need to ma- be made. So yeah, not every game in your library would be immediately compatible to the Steam Pal, one would assume. Yeah. And then also like it needs to have expandable memory for one because yeah, you could you could buy a Steam Pal and say it's got 
64 gig internal memory, that could be two games. And that's not very much of a pal, you know, that's a Steam acquaintance. You need you need something that's gonna gonna fit all your buddies in there. So uh yeah, you need you need expandable memory via SD, uh, so you can fit more of those games on on the go. I, I like the concepts. Uh anything on the go is great, and if you're not gonna sacrifice too much from the playing experience sitting at home on a PC, like uh, you know, I'm I'm pro controller so this is this is right in my wheelhouse where i have to worry about stupid keyboards and mice like i can just play on my steam pal with some joysticks and some buttons sign me up i'm in i'm in i'm i'm i've sold myself as we've talked about this article at first i'm like i don't care about a steam pal but now i'm like steam pals like someone i want to be friends with it's my buddy i'm i'm in i think it's great but like well until we get more information about it price size you know what i don't think the size would bother me too much because yeah you need a good size screen i don't think a switch screen would be enough I'm, i'd be happy with the switch oh, it depends on the game though too yeah that's that's what i'm trying to think i'm trying to think of the games that i do play on steam so i don't yeah. know i'm for it let's let's see let's see where they're going i'm for it too and uh may, maybe we'll get some information because obviously there's like the pc game showcase typically at e3 so maybe yeah, this thing's going to get dropped in the coming weeks at E3 because there's uh, some some hypotheticals in this little article from gamesindustry.biz where they're saying this thing might be available at the back end of this year. So don't have to wait too long to uh, get your Steam Pal and uh, take where that Steam list with you parts? everywhere. Hmm. Yeah, or may- see, maybe Valve for- foresaw this and bought all the <laughs> they chips bought them all. <laughs> and all the screens. So uh, oh. yeah, Steam Pal, that's awesome. So good. Uh, another quick little banger regarding handhelds. So uh, just grab some words here from Shannon Grixty over at Press Start. And uh, the Nintendo Switch Pro, which has been long rumored, uh, looks like we're set to learn more about it in the very near future. I was curious if this was going to break overnight because there was a lot of people on the the games media Twitter beat saying, this is this is imminent. It's happening in the next few mm-hmm. hours. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Crickets. Crickets. Yeah. Nintendo with the middle fingers saying, hey, we're doing things where we want to do things. So, yeah, uh, we don't wait. owe you shit. Keep keep rumoring. Yeah, rumoring? but um, <laughs> rumoring. Keep keep milling. Keep rumor. Yeah, I keep don't know. Yeah, milling. Yeah. I like milling. Keep milling. Keep milling. Keep milling. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Bloomberg is milling a little bit here. They're reporting that the Nintendo Switch Pro is set to release in September or October of this year, with production beginning in July this year obviously to make that release date it said that the new console will be priced higher than the original switch and this new model will replace the current nintendo switch model completely with the nintendo switch Lite to remain the cheaper option it said that nintendo will look to announce the console before e3 clearly not today though with nintendo insider insider emily rogers who also backed up these claims by bloomberg suggesting that an announcement could be coming within the next 24 hours you lied to us emily rogers you lied to us but uh, we'll see. It still might come this weekend. This is to give publishers the chance to announce software at E3 and probably so Nintendo themselves can also detail the lineup at their E3 showing. Just in case you haven't been following the rumors, the new Nintendo Switch Lite is set to have a 7-inch OLED display and a new NVIDIA chip which will allow DLS, uh, DLSS, meaning it will be capable of 4K output when docked to a TV. So Miss Hart, as a fellow Switch user... Would you be a day one purchaser of this? Would you want that that technology leap straight away? Or are you pretty happy with your current Switch, which is getting phased out? So it's getting shown the door. Yes. Baseline right? Switch, you're dead. You're done. 
Switch Pro is the new baseline. So uh, <laughs> cheeky. Very based cheeky. On, based on these rumors that um, people are saying uh, that this new device will have, I mean, nothing about it compels me to want to be a day one purchase. I, the screen size being 7-inch OLED, I'm like in my hands like, my source of measurement is usually like a, a subway foot long and six inch. So, yeah. <laughs> That's um, fair. It's a yeah. good metric. It's consistent at least. It's cons- it, well, <laughs> apparently not. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good gauge. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, like the, the capabilities of a 4K while having it docked and everything. Eh, I barely play the Switch docked. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to be a day one purchaser. I'll wait. I'll mull over it. I'll uh, see if they fix the uh, drifting issue on their joy cons um hey but they don't have drifting issues remember if you ask some people like uh, right. like myself i just got charged to get my my controllers fixed apparently even though there was nothing wrong with them they said so uh nintendo you're still on the list oh you're on the list so yeah no i will i'll wait um hopefully they start like hopefully by waiting um they'll you know how that you buy the console like switch and then they start releasing these cool designed ones and then you're like shit so i might wait until that happens yeah what what if they drop with like a new animal crossing expansion a switch oh, like pro with did. a funky nook skin you know <laughs> like would you be did? in yeah would um, you be yeah. in on that yeah of course like as long as it looks good hey like they have like sometimes some designs that incorporate zelda look beautiful like on on some occasions so i'm not the biggest zelda fan but if it looks really good like if you incorporate that gold if they incorporate black and gold yes oh yeah 100% on board. Yeah. Okay. But I will wait. I will not because I have no self-control over my mm. spending. So I will <laughs> trade my Nintendo Switch in with its now absent drift Joy-Cons. Non-existent, so, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I will get this Switch Pro. Uh, it's funny because like the new 7-inch display, like this, it's the, on the standard Switch, it's 6.2 inch. So you're getting 0.8 extra inches in your, uh, in your handheld viewing experience. <laughs> I'm with you. Men, like, uh, extra few inches in the hand does matter. So. Oh, yeah. An inch in the hand is worth two in the bush, they say. <laughs> I don't know who says that, but uh, it's a thing. Or at least it is now. I thought what I was going to say was fucked up enough, but you just took it. All right. You, you, are, you pitched me that one and I, I had to hit it out of the park, you know? Yeah. You set me up beautifully. But, yeah, like, I'm with you. Like, I don't really play... The Switch docked next to it all, next to ever. Like mm. occasionally here and there, like doing like a little, like the Mario Kart tourneys and stuff. Occasionally I'll do it. But for the most part, I'm, I'm playing handheld as well. So 4K output sounds great, but it's it's not its core use for me. Like a lot of users would be hyped for that. And, mm. you know, getting getting that type of resolution is awesome. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a handheld guy. Like I've still got more incentive, I think, to buy the Switch Lite and have that as the primary and sell my standard Switch because that's how I play most of my Switching. So, uh, but we'll see. It's We'll see. It's it's cheeky like where they're like, original Switch, you're dead. Switch Pro, new one. And by the way, it's more expensive. So uh, pay the piper. Sounds like the DS all over. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Nintendo just just never changed Nintendo. (laughs) No, change. Be better. (laughs) I know, you know, but they're just they're just so embedded with how they go to market and how they how they do things, you know. So I, I admire them that they're 
they're stoic and uh, you know very very stubborn as far as what they do with them. you admire you admire that major corporation you do that. yeah yeah <laughs> you you headstrong Japanese God you pinch their cheek but anyway moving on to the next one we got a nice Far Cry Six live stream overnight. And uh, on the back of that, we've got a release date. So Ubisoft have confirmed the latest entry in its popular open world series will be out on October the 7th on just about every platform imaginable. So uh, get hyped if you want some Far Cry 6 on October the 7th. Ubisoft revealed the release date during a Far Cry stream that ran overnight. It will be the fall, uh, will be this fall's major tentpole release for Ubisoft, which isn't expected to release a new Assassin's Creed in 2021. Which makes sense. They've they've mm. just uh, released uh, like this the latest Druid expansion for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and they've uh-huh. probably got several mm-hmm. more planned for for that franchise as well. So it makes sense. So uh, they've gone with Far Cry Six will feature the series' highest number of weapons, not to mention some of its downright strangest, including a CD launching gun that plays the Macarena. We'll learn about Far Cry 6's wealth of weaponry in our hands-off preview of the game, discovering not only that it didn't just have the most weapons, but possibly the most varied selection in Far Cry history. That stems from the game's resolver philosophy, by which guerrilla fighters will use any and all available resources to get what they need. In Far Cry 6's case, what those guerrillas needs tends to be is very strange guns. Alongside weapons, vehicles are also customizable and the game as a whole seems to be pushing more than ever on Far Cry's play-how-you-like style with multiple paths into and out of dangerous locations and increased options for stealth as well as combat. So, Miss Hart, what did you think about this uh, this little little showcase highlighting Far Cry 6 that uh, dropped overnight? So, unfortunately, Aussies, or maybe some did, the, you know, night owls out there on the other side of Australia, but... um. What we got to experience over here was a countdown to start the stream that then turned into another countdown <laughs> for 30 minutes. Ah, Ubisoft never change. Ah, uh, yeah. So that Why was am great. I telling all these companies to never change? Maybe change a little bit here and there. <laughs> You're the problem, Brendan. Especially change the um, culture at Ubisoft because some of the stories, little boy. But anyway, oh back God. on the Park Right discussion. Um, but yeah, um, once once the finally the you know we kind of got into it, um, the game looks like Far Cry. It looks like every Far Cry. I'm gonna say graphically, oh, there were scenes where they showcased um, what looked like impressive graphics of in-game play, but I'm kind of on. I'm I'm skeptical because we saw other scenes where we saw in-game like interactions with other players oh not other players other characters and it just to me didn't look like upgraded graphics it just looked like the previous games um but then there was like scenes where you saw your character kind of going through like dark jungle holding like a bow and arrow and it was so detailed you saw like little droplets of rain on the back of their hand and like so I'm a bit iffy about how good this game looks um graphically wise um the guns are ridiculous like they had a motorbike engine attached to another thing to make like a like a heavy machine gun. Um, the the disc launching Macarena gun is hilarious. Um, they showed like animal companions, one of them being a crocodile wearing a t-shirt with a gold tooth, where you whistle and it goes and attacks people. Um, unfortunately, they also have a very very cute um, 
like what appears to be a dog like that can't use its back legs because it's in like a little doggy wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be a companion and his name's Chorizo. And so in that case, we all know my rule. If there is a dog companion in the game, chances are I'm not going to play it because I can't handle if anything happens to it. Yeah, if, if we can confirm that, like if if those companpanions are killable, I guess is the... Even hurtable, I don't want to hear line. it. Or, or hurtable, I, I guess they're going to take hurt, but maybe it might be they can be hurt and then like downed and then after the enemy oh. area is cleaned, the, the animal then comes back to normal. You you out completely if that's the case? No, if, if that adorable little dog gets hurt in any way, I'm out. But what, he's a war hero. He's he's I doing he's doing his thing to to save the hurt, the, the downtrodden pups. people of don't this location. Doggos. Don't have my doggos. Um, but overall, I'm still like I'm trying to figure out what's happening story wise. Um, we were talking about um our own theories of how we think the story is going to go. Where maybe um you're the kid, um in and like when you've seen the child. In scenes, it's like a flashback or a shown of the past and you're going to be the kid at the present because they've shown that um, you can customise your character so you can be mm-hmm. male or female um, and change how they look. And I believe the introduction of the character is that like a lot of scenes that we saw was the name being typed onto a passport, which to me suggests that's not like, you know, it's like a double identity kind of thing. This is where my brain's going story-wise. But um, overall, it feels like a Far Cry, ga- Far Cry game. It looks like a Far Cry game. <sighs> I'm not sold on it. I'm really, really not sold on what makes it, like, different. Like, obviously, mm. it's, like, it's, a, it's an island, different island, different environment, different characters, different reasons of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, but for the most part, I'm just not 100% sold on why. I would buy this one over the others. I think I think the tone is the weirdest thing for me. Like they're talking about this oppressed nation that's that's a war-torn country and there's a big tyrant overruling killing all these people and and like you know that that screams very straight and narrow, very serious, very deadpan tone, mm-hmm. very emotional traumatic. And then at the other end you've got these quirky animal companions and Macarena launching guns and and I, I like yes gorillas and and people fighting back would use whatever they can to to try and take out their enemies, but it's weird that they've got like this comedic like caricaturish mix going in with that sort of tone to me and that's the part that's the strangest to me like I know Far Cry the last few they're really doubling down on open world and doing your own thing and getting to point A and point B however you like, but it feels like they're really, really jumping into here's the sandbox, playing it however you like. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Far Cry's always had that kind of double edge of here's a very serious story, you should be concerned for your character's safety, but also here's some weird shit. Like, I feel like they've always kind of balanced between those two things, but I feel like this story feels very serious where... Um, having that kind of like maybe even slapstick kind of goofy kind of nature feels is going to feel out of place. Um, but um, like I didn't play the previous two, mm-hmm. three maybe. Um, I think the last Far Cry I played was Blood Dragon, to be honest. Which was great, by the way. Anyone fantastic. that hasn't played Blood Dragon, some needs to. It's so great. Just eighty synth wave wet dreams with yes. Michael Bain in it. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
um yeah so i i don't know i like it the watch the watch the content maybe you'll see what i'm seeing maybe you think i'm just being a bit outlandish but i'm not i'm not completely sold because it is sad um uh esposito i forgot his first name giancarlo yeah so like he's fantastic and we both love him um mm-hmm. but it, he was barely in the this live stream barely mm. It's it's surprising too that this like this live stream happened where E three is rolling out in the next fortnight. Like you, you'd think this would be part of an like a Ubisoft showcase, but maybe it la- it allows them to have something a little bit more tighter and more condensed. Like what we were just talking about with Microsoft and Bethesda, maybe we'll get a bit more of that and get a bit of Giancarlo on the screen and and less about the oh, whimsical creatures and things. Yeah, at E three they will. They'll have him front and center. Yes, but interesting. It's been a big, it's been a big week with news this week, and uh, we're moving mm. on to sort of the last uh, chunk that's occurred over the last couple of days, and it's Dying Light Two. It gets not only a new title but also a release date. So Dying Light Two has been renamed to Dying Light Two: Stay Human, and will now be released on December seventh, twenty twenty one, PlayStation Five, PlayStation Four, Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, and PC. Techland premiered a new gameplay trailer that showed off the current state of Dying Light 2 along with the new story synopses. Synopses reads, Players will take control of Aiden Caldwell, a survivor trying to piece together his past. Three factions are vying for power over the scraps of civilization. Aiden can work for or against each of these factions to help shape your victory or to help shape your story. But at night, all three factions are at the mercy of the zombies. The new gameplay trailer showed some core mechanics like the parkour traversal as well as the day and night cycle. While zombies roam freely during the night, their nests are empty and venturing into these dangerous areas could reap great rewards. Combat can be tailored to your playstyle, whether that's focusing on melee, guns or crafting. The world is also full of different NPCs you can choose to ally with or turn against. And it looks like Aiden might have to race against the time if he wants to stay human. So Miss Hart, we talked about this a little bit offline. You didn't play the first Dying no. Light. You're sort of new to this series and what this world could potentially give you. This uh, this sort of announcement and the trailer and the gameplay that followed, did it get you intrigued? Are you keen to get on uh, Dying Light 2 Stay Human after I'm this? I'm actually genuinely shocked that I've never played a Dying Light game. Um, seeing how the game plays and how kind of like fast and interactive it is, uh, it looks great and I love the environment. I love the um, like the city the kind of like wreckage of the city and how you're able to use that with this parkour element of maneuvering through the through the maps and everything. Um, you explained how the, essentially the gaming mechanic kind of you know changes from day to night and how that obviously uh, makes combat or interactions with the zombies or the undead like more mm-hmm. difficult. Nighttime's terrifying. You get crazier, stronger creatures in limited visibility coming at you. So so running and foraging of an evening was so intense in Dying Light 1. That sounds really Some cool. Some great moment to moments. That sounds really, really cool. So, yeah, I'm genuinely surprised. I, I've heard of Dying Light, but it obviously never really grabbed me. But seeing this content and seeing this stream, um, it was really cool, actually. <laughs> like, a lot of people made fun of it, but I actually liked what they did with this presentation on having the two hosts on this um, set where they were on a rooftop in this you know made up world but um it was really beautiful i liked i actually liked what they mm. did with it um yeah i might i might be on board for this game 
Heckin' yeah. Like, uh, the first one's really good. And, and anyone that hasn't played Dying Light, like, I know there is, or at least for myself especially, there is a bit of that whole zombie fatigue thing which we talk yeah, about on and off here on THG. But this is such a different interpretation to it. Like, having the the parkour and the verticality and the first-person perspective, like... um. Techland, who are the the devs behind this, like they they created the uh, the uh, Dead Island franchise. So anyone oh. that enjoyed the Dead Island games, you can see some of the nods and the gameplay and yep. the mechanics from that franchise in Dying Light. So they took sort of the best parts of that and then added some extra source to it and created Dying Light. So familiar with that. That's one. that's where you get some nods from previous uh, zombie games. And um, yeah, it looks awesome. I like that you do have. A narrative where you are still playing against these factions and these random NPCs you deal with and there's butterfly effect sort of scenarios going on here where if you do this for that then it's going to impact over here in the story later and all that kind of thing and it's really cool it's it's a great franchise some really tense um, big set pieces and some nightmare fuel creatures from the first one so I'm mm. curious to see what they do with Dying Light to stay human and it's awesome that they've they've doubled down or they've actually sort of given us a release date like there was a whole like is this game still a thing for a good long while there uh like dying light the first one came out in 2015 so it's been six years between between the first and the new one and there was debate there like this game's going to get scrapped it's never going to come out rah 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 but now it's coming out and it's coming out uh in holiday of 2021 so uh i'm keen as a bean to play this over uh over christmas break that's for damn sure yeah it looks like a good playstation game oh yeah mm. good console game good uh good controller game you know anyone that likes to play on a controller <laughs> maybe i'll play this on my uh my steam pal who knows it <laughs> <laughs> sounds really bad but uh, how funny would have been if they like kind of went down like a buddy element and then they called it like a steamy a steamy oh <laughs> <laughs> What's that uh, in your bag? That steamy. It's steamy. <laughs> What's that on the table? Oh, just a steamy. <laughs> but yeah, Dying Light 2, Stay Human, coming out December the 7th on all good platforms. Hopefully the Steam Pal as well. But uh, yeah, Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of the news. We aren't really going to do a Tweet of the Week because there was so much news mm. doing the rounds this week. So we might just jump into this instead. New releases and events. We're talking about notable releases coming out between May the 31st and June the 6th. My goodness, we are in June. The year is flying by. The world is still a mess, but at least we're getting some concrete dates for gaming releases, which is a plus. Maybe. Touch wood. So if you're listening to us right now on the 31st, obviously you've got 243 of THG running through your ear holes. Uh, If you're looking for some gaming content... The 1st of June sees the release of World of Warcraft classic expansion, Burning Crusade. So the first big expansion from WoW, making its way to the PCs, reimagined with a sexier coat of paint and all that kind of stuff. Um, People in the WoW community are so horny for this. Uh, Power to them. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, get some Burning Crusade 
into your ear holes on the second, as well as the latest episode of Hoop Dreams is also dropping on the uh, on the first, sorry, of uh, Tuesday, the first of June. Wednesday, the second of June, sees the latest episode of Is This Thing On, which is going to be an offshoot of that Hoop Dreams that is dropping on the Tuesday. Later that week, we've got the uh, the, the debut episode of the video game book club. Uh, which is going to see myself and Jono and maybe Benny tackling Mass Effect in a book club fashion. So I'm excited to see what Jono has hatched up for this concept. That should be dropping, I'd say Friday. Like we haven't recorded it yet, but I know we are planning to have it out later this week. So I'm going to say Friday for now. Maybe Thursday if Jono's especially keen to uh, get that editing done. So the back end of this week, you're going to get the new episode and the debut episode of Video Game Book Club. And then uh, this coming weekend, you're going to get early access to the Hungry Game Show episode, excuse me, episode 18, which is uh, seeing Hannah or Snacky Han on the socials and Twitch universes tackling Life is Strange. So that's going to be a fun one. We're recording that in the next couple of days. Miss Hart, anything else coming up this week you want to highlight? Like I've grabbed the games list here from uh, the, the Game Informer sort of upcoming release schedule and there's... A lot of titles uh, coming out. Not a lot of them move the needle for me or some of them, like, I don't know, any any, any bike rider fans. We've got Tour de France coming out, uh, Tour de France 2021 coming out on the 3rd of June. Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts 2 coming out on the 4th. The Last Kids on Earth and The Staff of Doom coming out on the 4th as well. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of other titles as well. But there isn't really anything that sort of uh, tickles my fancy from that no. list. No, this gaming calendar, not really. It's good to see Ghosts and Goblins still relevant. Yeah, Ghosts and Goblins Resurrection. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we're going to get a, a nice fresh coat of paint. That comes out on the, so the 1st of June. Mm. Yeah, mm. but apart from that, a bit of... Oh, no, wait, hang on. Stonefly. Stonefly um, is the indie little indie game um, that... Uh, when was it? It was a few weeks back that it got brought to my attention. It's a cute little, like, a little adventure action game um, where you're, like, a little creature in this, like, kind of big foliage kind of universe. I think there's, like, a battling element, too, like a build and battle element that's attached to it. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, I'm looking. It looks pretty quirky. Yeah. Um, so that's done by, like, a small team. Uh, I think they're based in Canada, but I'm not 100% certain on that. So that's a little indie team working out. So it's good to see that um, that one's getting released Wow, June 1st. So. Yeah, it comes out this week. Yeah. So that one, Stonefly. That one's on Stonefly. my radar. Stonefly. Yeah, they, uh, the studio behind this game uh, was uh, the award-winning team behind Creature in the Well, and uh, they apparently were nominated for an Emmy for Manifest 99. So uh, hmm. they've got some, got some swagger behind them there, Flight School. Uh, Flight School Studios. So, uh, yeah, coming out this week if you wanted to get on that little indie gem. But, Miss Hart, that brings us to the end of THG243. Anything else you wanted to say before we close down the studio for another week? Yeah, I'm going to give a shout-out to an uh, episode of Comedy Rewind that I did with Jono talking about a fantastic movie called Bedazzled. Um, to me, it's a classic. I, I've loved watching Bedazzled. I've watched it a bunch of times. Um, I think I took the crown of biggest Brendan Fraser lover off um, Jono because he was pretty certain that he he was the biggest <laughs> Brendan Fraser fan, but he hadn't even seen Encino Man. 
Yeah, I, I have many, many strong opinions about this. Like, you can't say you're the biggest Brendan Fraser fan and not see the movie that put him on the goddamn map. Plus, he didn't want to do Airheads. I yes, pitched, I Airheads there. is brilliant. <laughs> Airheads and Encino uh, Man are right up there, like, comparative to Bedazzled as far as the best comedies that Brendan Fraser was in. Mm. Yeah, Blast from the Past with that Reese, no, no that Alicia um, Silverstone. Yeah, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, she was that's, good that's in that. A, she does. She's she's a gorgeous woman, and yeah. uh, Brent Frey's a very handsome man. And who was his parents? In, was it was it, it um uh, Christopher Walken. Walken? Was his dad? Yep. And oh, I always forget. I forget the actress's name, but she was gold. She was so good in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was. You know, he's a very talented individual, and we've talked on and off, funnily enough, about. Brendan Fraser sort of taking time away from the spotlight and acting and things to go through some some big traumatic events that he had to deal with over his yeah. over his lifetime. But um, yeah, in the in the nineties and, and into the early two thousands, he was he was one of the biggest actors in Hollywood. You know, yeah. off the back of the comedic stuff, he jumped into the Mummy and things like that. Yeah, uh, was it was it not the basketball? He was in a basketball film too. It wasn't the Basketball Diaries. I think that was Leonardo DiCaprio. That was Leonardo but- DiCaprio. But he was in a really good, uh, serious role as a basketball player at a, at a college as well, which was really Are you great. sure you're not thinking of Bedazzle because he plays a basketball player? He does play a basketball <laughs> star in that and also like a like a Middle Eastern war tyrant and things like yeah, that. Colombian and, uh, drug lord. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So great. Cocaina. It's a banger, that film. It's a great movie. Um, so if you've watched it, please check out Comedy Rewind. Uh, if you haven't watched it, watch Bedazzled first and then listen to Comedy Rewind and see if you have the same opinions as us. Let us know if it holds up. Yeah. I, I haven't watched it in a good long time, but I feel it's a movie that holds up. So uh, I'll, I'll report back. But then go watch Encino Man, goddammit. <laughs> Peak... Peak Brendan Fraser, Paulie Shaw at the height of his powers, and old uh, Samwise from Lord of the Rings yeah. running around in there too. And uh, I can't remember the villain's name in it, but I saw his remember he's shush. He's shush as he drops in it all the time. So great. I actually and, didn't and really. And the jaws. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> he needs to do in Sino Man and Airheads on Comedy Rewind. Maybe we just we just sort of pick Force it out it the front him. of Jono's house until he does. Yeah. Maybe. I'll stand by those movies. They're, they're classics. They're f- fantastic comedies. Yeah, there you go. Everyone everyone, tweet at uh, Jono um, and say that you want an Encino Man and Airheads comedy rewind. Yes, please. You'll love it. Yeah. yeah. Get, get him on Twitter. Do. Please do. But um, if you don't want to send that kind of hatred and, and uh, hostility towards Australia's Jono Peck, you can obviously hit us up on Twitter at Brendan8bit, at Miss Ellie Hart, or as a collective at... We are 8-Bit, but until next week, 8-Bit Nation, when we come back to you for the world first episode of 244 of The Hungry Gamers, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. I always love that bit in Airheads where he's like the Lone Rangers. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, but there's three of you. <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. And there's so many good actors in London. Yeah, Adam Sandler, Steve Buscemi. Yeah. <laughs>
Like as um, the band alone. Uh, old mate from uh, Seinfeld, Kramer. That's right. Yeah, Michael Richards is in there. 